<laughs> okay. Hey guys, Jen here from the KT team. On today's episode 15 of KT Confidential, we are answering your questions on IG Live. Check it out. I it's gonna be IG, IG Live. Live is cool. I'm exiting. I'm exiting. That's only half the job. That water? Mm-hmm. I really think we should be drinking during these sessions. It would make them I'm on a diet, man. I can't drink every time we vodka record a soda, podcast. Vodka soda, brother. Vodka soda. Have you tried the neutral uh, vodka soda in the can? Probably full of sugar. No sugar. I don't buy it. It's delicious. Oh, shit. I kicked the camera. Can you check it? <laughs> I can check it. I can check it. Oh, stop. We need a bigger studio. Cameras are good? We're good to go. Yeah, maybe we should stop the live feed so that I can actually check the questions as well. All right, so... Today we are answering questions that came in on our on Adrian's Instagram post on our team page um, and Facebook. Oh, were they on Facebook as well? Did yeah. we have some questions come in on Facebook? Yeah, there was both. So you want to double check both? I did not know that. Yeah, uh, but a few good questions. Uh, Davy Leslie asking a good discussion could be around what you think the impact will be of companies like Redfin coming into Canada both for traditional brokerages, agents, and homeowners looking to buy and sell. So that's a good one. Let's chat about that first. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't fully understand the question, though, because I think... So Redfin is a traditional, more or less traditional real estate brokerage, and they provide discounted rates. So um, first of all... Uh, these companies have been around since the dawn of time, discounting, discounting, discount brokerages and for sale by owner stuff. I'm going to take these away, Cam, so he can't make the uh, wiping noises. Oh, shit. Yeah, I like to. Okay, we'll get to them. So just make a note of them. But uh, so anyway, so discount brokerages and for sale by owner has been around forever, right? Um, because of the Internet, they're... Um, a little bit more widely known, but you know Redfin, for example, they there's nothing special about them, and they offer their services at one percent. But there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of fine print, so it's one percent in some markets. Some other markets it's one point five, and you still have the buyer's commission, which varies by market, but can be up to two and a half percent, and they provide no service virtually. So. The premise of a lot of these, quote unquote, brokerages in the States, in the U.S. especially, because Redfin started in the U.S. Right. And now they're moving into the Canadian market. Right. And other similar companies have tried to do this before and have failed. Um, Redfin is quite large. But I read an article actually this morning in the uh, real estate magazine that um, these U.S. Brokerages like Redfin are calling themselves tech companies because there really aren't any true realtors behind their team. There are agents, licensed agents that assist, um, but they're paid minimal flat salaries. They, they don't carry you from A to Z. You basically go and do on your own uh, for most of it. So that's why you're paying that discounted rate. Uh, they're not doing much marketing. They're, they're, they're not doing the legwork required to sell a home in today's market. They're 
Um, so they're providing a very basic service, and for some, that might be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the average homeowner where their investment is the largest investment, uh, their their home is their largest investment, um, you know, you got to think twice before investing in a brokerage. So Yeah, well, and this question came in, I think it was a real estate agent, a new uh, real estate agent. So perhaps they're just curious about maybe what the future of their career looks like with companies like this um, coming into the market. But at the end of the day, so first of all, you need to read the fine print uh, because their rates are subject to a lot of variables, including having to buy with them. And if you don't buy with them within a certain amount of time, they charge you more. Um, but it all comes down to providing value. And I think any company uh, that provides value is going to do well. Um, it's when it's the people that are out there that aren't providing value and charging too much that are going to be eaten up by these companies. Well, and I just think as to what we provide from A to Z uh, for a client that's buying or selling with us, you look at companies like Redfin as an example they check off maybe two of our 90 checkboxes of all of the steps that we go through to represent these people. So, I mean, it's just like you can buy something like a pair of jeans for $10. That might be good for somebody. Um, You can buy a pair of jeans for thousands of dollars. Um, We're neither uh, ourselves, but there's all sorts of services in the low end and the high end. So it might fill a market, but it's never going to replace or um, compete against a traditional brokerage where a realtor who is trained properly, who has the experience, who's on the ball, who knows the market knowledge, who knows how to market the property, actually goes out and does all the legwork. Well, and so their list of services in and from what I read consists of photos and a 3D tour, which I imagine is like a Matterport based on the description. So you get two things with it and that's it. And that's at the end of the day. And the rest, so I'm not familiar with what Redfin's game plan is here in Canada, but it sounds like you read up on it a bit. So um, is there any agent involvement? Do you have to pay? Yeah, no, no, it sounds like um, they're, so they're not like a comm free from what I understand. There is now purple bricks, purple bricks, right? So those commercials are driving me fucking crazy. Let me tell you, they, um, so they're a full blown brokerage with real estate agents, purple nipple and, uh, and basically they're just doing it at a discounted rate, but here's what happens. It, you know, if they're not, if you're not paying, if you're paying them less, then they have less to work with, which just means they're not doing as much. And we know from our experience that when you don't do as much, the results aren't, aren't there. And that's, we used to have that option. You know, we used to do tiered packages and we found consistently when people went with the higher package with more features that the results were better and it made sense to do it. So that's, that's why we go that route. But people can't possibly afford to stage and do proper marketing on 1%. Right, especially if there's a brokerage and a realtor involved because right. they each have to get their cut. Right. How do you market the home without any money? That's right. 
So the answer to this guy who uh, is probably just curious about how it will affect them getting into real estate at this point in time, I would say just make sure you're providing value and convey that message to people and you have, you'll have no problem. I agree. What was next? I uh, would love to know tips on starting out as a realtor. I love your team's style and social outreach. Does, how does someone get started out? Started out? Started out. <laughs> I think that... Yeah, well, I have to apologize because I'm still a little stuffed up and yeah, not, not 100% with it. You're excused. Um, I think this is um, you know, a good question. I think it applies... I think the answer is applies to any business for the vast majority of it. And, you know, you're asking how do you build a business, not necessarily how to become a real estate agent. It's, you know, if you just want to be a real estate agent and sell houses, your best avenue may be to join a team and have that support system behind you. Um, But if you want to build a business and, you know, independently grow it, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, I don't know, maybe you want to talk about our initial focus yeah, I, I will disagree with you a little bit there because even our teammates, our realtors on our team, I want them to be acting as it's their business within our business. So yes, they can jump into our business and be successful right away. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to build that business, so to speak. They don't have to be the entrepreneurs because that's us, uh, but they still are business people that right. still need to market themselves, uh, whether it's via social media, sphere of influence, referrals, um, past clients, or or whatever. But um, here's the thing. Real estate is not for everybody. The stat is 50% of realtors that get their license are no longer realtors after the first year. So after one year of being in the business, 50% of realtors that get licensed drop out of the business completely. It's probably because they didn't get a paycheck. Could be for various reasons. Um, Most likely, yes, because they didn't make any money. Um, You know, they they recognize how tough it is. And that's why teams are doing so well. Yes. Is because as an individual agent, it's very difficult to start off your business. It's very difficult for somebody to give you the opportunity to get somebody to give you the opportunity to get that listing. Well, um, to the point where a lot of people, I think they come in expecting, oh, my my dad's selling in three months and my best buddy's selling in a month. Yeah, those are the don't, worst. Well, don't be offended. They probably won't want to hire you. Like why, you know, it's, it's hard to get started because you're asking people to trust, to uh, entrust you to manage their biggest asset. So um, it's challenging and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get past that as a new agent. So how does someone get started out? Well, it's quite simple. Um, you go to the Ontario Real Estate Association website and you can... Oh, you're being really specific. And you can... Yeah, people want to know this shit. So you can uh, investigate and dig into what uh, courses you have to take. There's five courses um, you can do them as quick or as long as you want. I think there is a time limit on it, but um, Chris just finished his. It took him about uh, a year or so uh, to do all of his courses. Um, it's going to cost you about five to $7,000 to just get licensed, to get up and running. That doesn't include marketing costs. It doesn't include advertising. It doesn't include any branding that you want to do. 
uh, or anything client uh, related. So you need to have about $20,000 set aside just to get going. And you need just to, for the business, just let to, alone yep. living. That's right. Um, and then you need to have probably six to eight months of living expenses uh, put aside as well, uh, because, you know, it will be six to eight months before you do a transaction for most realtors and you're not getting paid for two to three months. And then once you do get paid, your brokerage is going to take a cut and then you have all kinds of board board dues and insurance costs and all this. So uh, you're not going to be making money for, for a little while. Joining a team, it's a little bit different because you're joining an established uh, business where uh, you're walking into potentially transactions uh, very quickly. Um, the marketing, the branding is most likely already there. There are pretty shitty teams out there. There are some great teams out there. So you really have to do your due diligence on those teams. Um, well, even then, just finding the right fit, even if finding the right good fit. or bad, it's yep. dynamics. Yep. Yeah. Dynamics. It could be location. It could be, you know, the people that are running the team, um, you know, how well might you be treated? Um, because there's nothing worse than, you know, being miserable and making money versus being happy and making a little bit less money. Oh, on that note, uh, so one of the questions came in from, uh, I don't know if he goes by Liam or LOC, uh, LOC, LOC. He was asking, lock, lock. he was asking if you would, if we would take on an apprentice. I think that's a great idea. If you're interested in getting into real estate, offer to work for a brokerage for free for a year or whatever, just go in part-time, follow them around, do stuff and uh, get a general idea for what happens and how the processes work. And that's, a, I think that's a great idea. And yes, I would consider that for sure. There is always that fine variable there though, that, um, somebody that's unlicensed really isn't getting into the nitty gritty of it. But, um, yeah, you can learn a whole lot about hang about the real estate industry just by hanging out with a realtor for a day uh, or a week or whatever. Um, so that's what you got to do if you want to start out, you know, do your due diligence. Um, you really got to think if it's a fit for you. It can be a very rewarding career. It can be uh, well, I want to go a bit tough. I want to go to just a little bit deeper because I think the intent or the question may have revolved around not so much the licensing aspect of it, which may have been a part of it, but also how do you actually get started? How do you get how do you get that initial deal? And I think that's the biggest challenge for people. And that's why most people get out of the business before they really get into it. And um, I think uh, patience, I know patience is key and persistence. Which I have none, so I don't know how I've become so successful. Um, persistence and consistency is huge. We do. We balance each other out well. Happy 12-year anniversary, by the oh, way. yes. Yeah. On Facebook. It took us two and a half years to become Facebook friends, so it meant that we didn't really like each other in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you got to fill it out a little bit. Right. Um, anyway, so I think in any business, you need to be you need to be willing to put in the work. So for us, we decided to f farm, uh, air quotes, our neighborhood, and we started a Facebook page. We started a website. We... Uh, st we sent out a really nice did a street uh, party. So we did a street party. We sent out a regular newsletter, which wasn't a chest pounding rah rah. Look at me, we're great real estate agents. It was about or one of those bullshit market updates oh, that yeah. uh, everybody sends out. Yeah, which is hired uh, a third company to 
just yeah. publish something like for it them was a, something it? of value in fact yeah. i get people saying they miss it like we stopped doing it. we should start doing it again but yeah. um we didn't see the results from any of those activities for at least a year i would say if closer not, to two right if not more um so you know using that as an example is pick something stick with it and uh and it, you know you'll you'll benefit from the results of it at some point but most people give up just before they break through yeah, most people don't have the patience to wait it out. And I don't care what business you're in, but real estate specifically, if you're not going to wait it out the long term and hustle and put the time, put the effort, put put everything that you got into that business, you're not going to see shit back. And that's why so many realtors do less than two deals a year. Um but number one thing I think, getting started as a realtor, you need connections. You need, you need to have a database of people that trust you, believe in you, that love you, that you have a good relationship with. You need to harness those relationships. You need to be face-to-face with anybody and everybody that's an influencer in your community. It's, every, it's, it's all about networking. Life is about it. So. Network. Your friends are going to be a source of business. Not only your friends, but your friends' friends, past colleagues, neighbors, friends of friends. Like, yeah, and in the beginning, you've got nothing to do. Like, you are just itching to do something. So just get out, take friends for... Now, one of the first things I did when I got into the business was, uh, and I was excited because we were coming out of a very, you know, out of the car business where we were stuck in the cubicle forever and uh, working 12-hour days. And now I had the freedom of making my decisions as to what I wanted to do. And, you know, I started getting out initially, just hanging out with friends more often. And uh, it was literally with really no intention other than just getting out to hang out with friends. But from that... Uh, I met some of my best clients who refer me on a regular basis. Um, so that worked. I enjoyed it. Where was your other post on Facebook? It was a video. There you go. That one there? I think so. Nothing pretty much there. pretty much the same question. So uh, people just wondering how to uh, get started out. Jen had a question about tips? my favorite color. I don't know what that was about. There's some good questions over here, too. Yeah, what have you got? Okay. So somebody asks, if, they, if he has a million dollars in equity in his house, um, he wants to buy some rental property. Congratulations, houses. a million dollar equity in the house? You're doing well already. He says, houses or condos, pros and cons for each. Subdivide a house and turn them into condos, question mark. What are your thoughts? That's a good question. Say that again. So he has got a million dollars of equity in his current home and is wondering whether or not to purchase homes or condos with that equity. He wants to invest into condos or homes. What is your thought? With that kind of money? I mean, I it depends on what they're uh I mean what they want to get into as well. But I with that I would get into multi-residential with that kind of money. You're a big fan of multi-residential. I'm not. I'm a big fan of uh single-family homes. Um, If I had a million dollars sitting around in equity that I could reinvest, I would absolutely be looking for the cheapest townhomes, freehold townhomes, 
that I could find and buy as many of them as I could buy with that money, I would not use, I would not purchase those homes just with my capital. I would leverage that capital and remortgage um, and add mortgages to those properties. So you put 30 to 50% down on four or five different properties. So you have 40 to 50% equity in those homes. I would buy two, three, four, however many I could fit in. I would look outside if this particular person is in the GTA. I would branch outside of the immediate GTA because you're going to afford more in areas like that, like that home that we just listed in Woodstock for 440000 mm-hmm. People are like, wow, four forty. dollars it costs you twice as much in Milton. Yes, it does. And it costs you twice as much in Toronto that it does in Milton. But the rent is not, uh, you don't see the same difference in rent. Correct. Um, but you don't have the same overhead too. No, no, so. I'm saying the rent uh, in Woodstock versus Milton, it's not significantly different. Oh, I see what you're saying. Meanwhile, yeah. the purchase price is double. Yes. So your return is better. Right. Um, your overhead will be different in different markets yeah. because of the proximity to the big city. Yes. Um, so I, if if I had that million dollars of equity, I would split it up, find out how many mortgages I could actually carry. You're bringing in rental income on these properties. You're going to rent them out, hang on to them for 10 to 15 years, pay down the mortgage, and then you have not only doubled your equity because of the mortgage that's been paid down, but the appreciation on those properties and spread it out just a little bit. So um, you might have a property in Guelph, you might have a property in Waterdown, you might have one in St. Catharines, maybe one in Hamilton, because one of those areas is going to boom. Uh, the other areas are probably going to uh, peak as well at some point. And it's, it's like playing the stock market. You can't uh, have all of your eggs in one basket, but that's what I would do. The, so and what that would you do? I would do multi-residential. Um, I like. I mean, obviously, there's people that have made a shit ton of money off of single family, and it works. Um, the risk is so. First of all, single family is more liquid. You can, you know, we proved it the other day. We sold a house in six hours, seven, seven hours, and you can close relatively quick. Multi-res, you're not going to sell as quickly in most cases. Sometimes you will, depending on where you're buying. Um, but then uh, multi-residential gives you a little bit more security because you've got, let's say 10 people paying your bills instead of relying on one income for that investment. Um, so, you know, if one person flakes out on a thousand dollar payment in a 10, 10 unit building, now you're collecting nine grand that month instead of 10, you're still covering your bills. Uh, if somebody stops paying you $2,000 a month on your house, that's $2,000 a month. You're still, now you're out of pocket, two grand. You're, makes a big difference. There is there's a lot of chatter, um, you know, behind the scenes in real estate right now that if you want to really make some money in real estate to start investing in commercial real estate, like actual commercial buildings, retail storefronts, things like that, there uh, is such a spaces. shortage of it. There's a huge shortage. There's going to be even more shortages going forward because a lot of businesses want to get into the GTA area. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people sick of 
working for somebody and want to start their own businesses don't have places to rent. When we were looking yeah. for our studio space, we were looking for a while. You know, we're thinking about expanding. There's nothing to expand to. Uh, and this is just in Milton. A lot of uh, the GTA is facing that same problem. Um, well, and so then the Residential Tenancy Act favors resident uh, the tenants. Yes. And commercial, the landlord has more power. Landlord is in control. Somebody's not paying you. You kick them out. You move on um, in a in a home, in a residential home, it it's, a, a, it's a difficult, it's difficult process. So a lot of different things to weigh out. Uh, if you have that kind of cash, you need to sit down with a good realtor that can guide you in the right direction. You need to have a consultation as to here's my plan, here's my goal, here's what I want to do, and then have somebody advise you. Maybe even get think a couple a, of options. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is about what what resonates with you, like with anything, like they all work. Right. There's people making money on all of this. Yeah. It's a matter of which one are you drawn to and right. just wait. Like I'm not interested funds. in multi-residential. Right. I will tell you, condos are all, like he mentioned condos. Um, they're also great because they are very low maintenance because there is a management company in place in the condo. The challenge I have with condos, and I do think condos are going to appreciate cons- considerably over the next several years, aging population, uh, low entry cost for first-time buyers, um, people that don't want to maintain uh, a full townhome or a detached well, and home. affordability. Affordability, exactly. Ent- Entry-level uh, pricing. Yeah. Um, the challenge you always have with condos are the maintenance fees. So you got to make sure that you're investing in a building that, you know... You've got some stability, one that was built well, one managed that's well, managed well, uh, and in a good location. But typically, condos are easy to rent, low maintenance, so they can be a good option too. Yeah. So we didn't really answer the question, but right, they're all good options. You got a lot a, of options. Yeah, especially exactly. with a million bucks. Yeah. Anything else? The next question is for you, Ariel. He got somebody asks, uh, "What's your take on why people leave their lot numbers on their homes after eight years?" <laughs> Did you leave yours on your house? Well, you should leave it on your home for the first year um, because the original builder um, is going to have to come back to do repairs and it's easier for the tradesmen to uh, locate the property because on their work orders, it will have the lot number on it. Some builders even extend that one-year tarry-on warranty to a... Um, to a two-year period as a grace, um, as kind of a gift from the uh, builder that they will go out to a two-year point for some of that warranty stuff. So, But beyond two years, there's absolutely no reason. Uh, maybe somebody has sentimental value uh, behind it, but most people are just too lazy to remove it. Or maybe they don't know how. Maybe they think, Or maybe they think it has to stay there, like it's a municipal thing. Yeah. So for those that are watching that may think that, you can take it down. Yes. It's just ham- usually hammered into the grout. So you just yep. grab a hammer, rip it out. You're Easy good. to do. Yeah. Good question, though, because you see those all the time in mature neighborhoods. There's still some in our neighborhood that's eight or nine years old now. Yeah, a bit of an eyesore. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Any more? 
So, someone else chimed in saying, I've bought my first investment pre-construction condo. Eventually, I want to buy more. What's the best way to trade? I think your best bet to start is hooking yourself up with a good mortgage broker. And they can they can advise you. I think that's really important because um, banks are very finicky about giving you, uh, when it comes to having multiple properties under your name. So they can set you up properly if you tell them, sit down with them and go through what your goals are and where you see yourself in five years and how many houses you want to own. And they can kind of set you up to make sure you're financing those homes through the right institutions. Yeah, that's um, big. So you don't run into any roadblocks. So just for people listening to the podcast, uh, the question again was, this particular individual purchased a pre-construction condo and wants to scale, wants to get more, um, more investment properties. That is the biggest thing is the financing behind it all. So it depends if you currently own a property that has equity and how much you have leveraged that. Um, if you've bought pre-construction and it's a condo, you probably bought it five, six, seven years ago. So it has appreciated a considerable amount, especially if it's in the GTA. So once you close on that, the ability to have a home line equity or a mortgage to uh, then take that money and uh, put it towards another property. It will also depend if you are renting these properties out and if you're claiming that income. Um, so all of those go back to what Adrian was saying. A good mortgage broker is going to be able to um, help find money for you. That's that's their job. A good broker finds money for you to borrow. And yeah, sometimes you might have to pay a little bit higher uh, rate uh, as you get into multi um, units, but um, it's worth it in the long run. I would say one thing that um, I've run into, which is important, is uh, avoid signing long term leases uh, because a number of things. One, um, if you get a bad tenant, it's very difficult to get them out in that initial term. Once that term's up, it's much easier. Um, but in that initial term, it's very challenging. So I wouldn't go beyond one year with the first lease. And then the market fluctuations. So rental prices have gone up considerably over the last year or two. Hundreds of dollars. So if you have a tenant that's in there for a long term and they signed at, call it 1500 bucks, but today's value is 2000 your opportunity cost um, is quite significant there. So... Well, and there's a lot of people, a lot of landlords that aren't taking advantage of the annual increase. Uh, because this year they're, it's 1.8%. Yeah, which so they, I think, you know, the mentality there is, I think in most cases they're trying to be nice because they have a good tenant. You have to do it. Like you are getting so far behind what actual market rent is. And you take into consideration uh, increases in other uh, expenses as well. Your property taxes are probably going up. Um and it's, you're not, you're, they're still way ahead of the game, the tenants. Like if you increase it by 1.8% and, you know, their rent goes up 30 bucks a month, they're still probably 100 bucks better off than they would have been if they had to go find a new place to rent. Yep. We have two more fun questions. Would you guys consider making a snow globe with you two inside to give out for Christmas so you can freak the hell out of it? Who is going to want a snow globe with the two of us in it? And I would. I, you would want one of those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd like to know where you would put that in your house. No, no, it would be in the office. Okay. It would be right here on the desk. And the next one is, how do we get Adrian off early today to come out and have a drink? Was that Brad? Keganator. 
Yeah. <laughs> he and will I'll, find any way to get me out. And on that note, there's episode. I'm 15. glad I said, I almost said get me off, but I meant, I'm glad I said get me out. Peace. <laughs> Okay, that's it for today's episode, guys. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram and follow us wherever you may be listening. Long as these. I think that's fine. You can use it. Even yeah, yeah, cut it. Looper. You're good. Cut it. I need to eat. I'm okay with it. Okay. Yay!